Welcome to the T-Hunt Popcast! I'm Leland Steele. And I'm Marty. And I'm Moby, who has not had as much caffeine as Leland. <laughs> I'm fucking jacked up, boys! I'm shaking over here, I'm okay. like vibrating, I'm... About to vibrate into, you know, the next I mentioned, like, well, if you try Watch the right. heart palpitations there, my friend. <laughs> I just noticed when you intro the podcast, you wear your hood. Oh, I did <laughs> just take, I did just take my hood off now that we have successfully introdu- introduced the show. I mean, I will try wearing it and see how it You should, you should. I see. You need your sunglasses. Yeah, you don't back, wear your sunglasses Marty. anymore. That's, that's what cost you on that weird car driving story last, uh, podcast. <laughs> well, see, I the hood. Stumbled. The hood acts as like a, a sound dampener, so it reflects my very, uh, you know, my what? my peppy, em- <laughs> my, <laughs> my peppy and emotional, you know, exclamations. Right. Yeah. So you don't get any reverb for the list for a listener. And listeners should know that my special trait is I wear my dog tags, which are to give me power and confidence. Oh. And. Help me not remember that I have the voice of a 12-year-old girl. Ah, so. yeah. I thought it was, be- it was because you like dogs. <laughs> oh, no, that's like on the complete opposite of the universe from where I am. But <laughs> I love cats, though. That's Bizarro Movie. Yeah. yeah. Can we be friends with Bizarro Movie? Mm, mm, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Marty. Get those sunglasses on. I want all right, all right. Let's... I'm okay. grab a hole in the reins here. We get off topic every fucking episode. Oh man, last episode we really got off topic in like yeah. every segment. We should try one where we just don't have a topic and we just end up on a topic. We, <laughs> we probably would legit yeah. end up on a topic. Yes. We just like, well, it would be. You want an hour and a half of banter? Yeah. We should maybe try that. We should maybe the do like a banter special. bonus episode. Banter bonus. Yeah. There we a go. bonus banter. A bonus banter. Oh, okay. Write that down, content director. I like it. Yeah, I do. That's I do like a really it. Good idea. It's an experimental yeah. podcast. Yeah. We don't waste the whole episode on it. Those nice shorter bonus episodes, which yeah. listener really loves. Yes. I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> we assume a lot about listener. Yeah. Well, Taki, speaking of banter and of listener, I don't have very much, but like I finally got to play terraforming mars uh i had mr mrs listener over one uh one sunday evening uh this past week and uh we played terraforming mars and so when i first bought this game one i play i paid 80 bucks for this fucking game ridiculous i was with you 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 were with me you were really on the fence like we paced around the fucking store for five minutes we really decided whether or not i had i had an arm full of games and i'm putting one back i'm picking another one up i'm like okay i got one no when i went there okay things never change (laughs) (laughs) when i okay one i brought you moby so you would only let me buy one game so that you failed because I, I bought two. A very bad influence. Yeah, I was telling you to so buy I bought two. So, so I, I see Terraforming Mars. I'm like, oh, okay, great. I pick it up, and I I I see the networks. I'm like, oh wow, networks. This is only like fifty five bucks. That's pretty good. I pick that up. I see Unearth, which is like brand new game. I think it came out at Gen Con, and I add that to the pile. And okay, I'm like, oh, three games. Oh no, three games. I can't do this. I ended up putting Unearth away. Uh, I got and I came away with Terraforming Mars in the networks. And when I opened up, opened up Terraforming Mars that day, and I to punch out all the pieces and stuff, I opened it up, and I got this big whole box, and the box is a quarter full of shit. And I'm like, what the motherfuck did I pay for this game? So you get a you get a you know a, a pretty small board really, and 
some some forest tokens and city tokens and cards that really aren't the greatest card quality. Like they're pretty thin, in my opinion. So I was pretty pissed that I paid eighty dollars for medium to low quality components, and that immediately soured my opinion of this game. And I again, I'm like, okay, calm down. You've played games with shitty components before. Let's hope the gameplay is great. Finally got it at the table, and I really, really liked it. It was really good. I really want to play it again. I think you guys would, would enjoy it. So basically, everybody's playing. Uh, you're playing a, a, like a, a company that is, you are terraforming Mars, obviously. So every action is through card play. So it comes with this big, fat, thick, thick deck of cards. And with, you know, different actions and different different abilities. And they, they give you different act, other actions you can take. So to play on your turn, you can take one or two actions. Um, there's a whole list of actions that you can do. You can, like, put a city out on the board. You can uh, make a green space. And the game ends when you meet all three of these parameters of when there are no nine ocean tiles on the planet when the oxygen meter has completely filled and when the temperature has been raised to the maximum of, of, of the temperature meter. And every time you raise one of those or place an ocean, you get a terraforming point, which is uh, your victory points, basically. But it's also what generates, what dictates the income that you generate, too. I don't know. It was really fun. And the card plays great. We played with the drafting mechanic right away. So on your turn, everyone gets a handful of four cards. And you choose to buy zero or four of these cards at three megabucks a card or whatever the currency is, right? And so it's interesting because you have to you have to take into consideration when you buy those cards after you've bought them, the rest of your money is what you have to play out that round because you get paid at the end of the round, right? So it's re- it's really cool. You get all these different these different tracks that you're that you're doing. And, uh, you know, these cards have, like, different symbols on them. They call them tags, which uh, interact with other cards. You know, if you know, if this card will say, if you have so many science tags, you get this bonus or, or whatever, right? So you can build these cool combos. And, um, yeah, no, I, it was really fun. You think you guys would really like it. And the drafting is great, too, right? So you can, you can hate draft. So what we did is you just, you know, everyone gets a four. And when you draft, you pick one and hand the the rest to clockwise to your buddy, right? And you do that until you have a new hand of four, and then from that four you decide what you want to buy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good game. I really enjoyed it. Uh yeah, the drafting was cool. I want to get to the table again for sure. I think you guys would really like it. Yeah, give it a shot. Yep. I'm still on the fence of whether or not it was worth paying the eighty bucks for it, but I don't know. So far so good. Yeah, I'd be down. Moby. Yeah, I've just got a, a note here, and it refers to our Blade Runner special. Uh, listener, I assume you've listened to it five times by now. Fantastic episode. But uh, I'm sad. I am sad because Blade Runner is pretty much officially a commercial flop at this point. And I'm a little bit surprised. I thought it would at least make back its budget with a, a minor profit. I didn't think it was going to set any records. Um, but basically, myself and a friend are rushing, rushing to see it tomorrow, uh, the day after, obviously, this was recorded, because we think it's going to be pulled from theaters soon. And in fact, there are very few showings left for it. So I think that's coming up. And I'm not, it's not just to do with Blade Runner that I'm disappointed. There's a couple things that go into it. Um, you know, I'm worried about hard sci-fi as a genre in movies, you know, if that 
this flop is going to now taint sci-fi in general. I'm more worried that Villeneuve, who I think has done a, you know, a great job in directing sci-fi in all his films, he is supposed to do Dune. And I'm wondering if Dune is going to be postponed or canceled now because that's hard sci-fi. It's probably going to have a way bigger budget with less of a cult following, less of a hardcore following. And is Hollywood just going to think it's too much of a risk? I, I don't know if I was surprised at... I suppose I was surprised at how poorly it's been doing. Because I think like we mentioned in, in that bonus episode, when we, we went there on a Friday night. Was it opening, opening night? It, w- it, it was, was opening, opening night, Friday night, yeah. Like, it wasn't the late show, but it was like the 7.30 or 8 o'clock show. Or I think it was an 8, 8 o'clock show. Like the prime show. Like sure. Probably. And the theater was not even half full. No. Like, you look no. down and the bottom quarter, two quarter, three quarters of the thing of the theater was totally empty. And it's not like the top half was completely full either, right? You no. got sparse seats. Like, I was very surprised at it. And we commented on that at the theater. I was kind of shaking my head going like, is, is like, are, are we in the twilight zone in, you know, our suburb of Vancouver that has this specific theater where no one wants to see sci-fi? Like, <sighs> I, I, I don't know. And they had, uh, you know, the industry forecasters had originally thought it was going to, you know, pull in like a solid 60, 70 million. Um, yeah. It's interesting when you think about like it, which every theater was jam-packed for two or three weeks there. Yeah. And that also had a, you know, a, a good, like, trailer. It had a, a good cast. It had, you know, if anything, uh, Blade Runner had the big, bigger names going into it. And, I mean, it. I thought it had a bit of a hype train behind it, at least. And, I thought so and the biggest thing it had going for it was these great raving reviews. And it yeah. still didn't do it. Yeah, and I think it's actually, it's as surprising as Blade Runner's failure is, is to me, as surprising as its success is. I mean, yeah, I thought it would make a little bit of money as well, but it blew it out of the park. Like, it set records, I believe, for horror. Set records for September and October, and for all R-rated films, essentially. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine. Crazy. We, we, yeah. You know, we like it at least to some degree, depending on which of us. I mean, I loved it. Marty loved it. Leland tolerated it. (laughs) But yeah, I I don't know. I just, I really worry about the industry as a whole, an industry that just spends its time endlessly recycling properties and sequels. And, uh, you know, I just, yeah, Blade Runner was bold. I thought it was fantastic. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I'm just sad that it didn't do better. Yeah, you know though, like that, that movie, like you said, hard the hard sci-fi, like that, that is that is its genre, and like that, there's no wriggle, there's no real wiggle room, right? Like, right. And it was nice though that the film certainly stood on its own, so you didn't need to see this thirty-year-old film to be able to enjoy this one. So that they had that going for it, but in the marketing today, like heavily lean on that that it's this this sequel or i don't really recall that right you know what i'm saying like no, they didn't they use didn't. they didn't use this being a sequel to to this cult classic no as part of the hype so all they really did was have harrison ford in the trailer that's right like, yeah, yeah i used to do what you do or something exactly totally right so yeah, yeah very interesting and i've heard that as a criticism uh that the trailer for you know an audience that was not uh, you know, was not already a Blade Runner fan. 
didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense to them, and it didn't intrigue them enough to see it. Like, it had beautiful visuals. You can't deny that. Yeah. And, yeah, certainly I understand a trailer not giving up the plot. And this was a movie where if you say almost anything about it, it would yeah, you you just, give up you, the plot. You certainly, you spoil for sure. But I don't know. Maybe there's a line of dialogue explaining what Blade Runners do or how the world's become a, you know, trash can and something like that. Like, explain something about the setting, the exposition. And yeah. none of the trailers did that. Yeah, there's a very fine line. Well, neither did the movie. Like we said, no. the movie showed, it did not tell. Yeah, it, that's that's right. And you can't get the full picture from a two-minute trailer when the whole no. when a two-hour, 45-minute movie is what is sh- what you're being shown, really. Right. So yeah. I, yeah. I see the hurdles there, for sure. There's just such a fine line with trailers, too. If you show too much, it, it takes away entirely from the finished product. Oh, yeah. How many, how many times have you been like, all the good parts? You come out of a movie, you're like, all the good parts I already saw in the trailer. Yeah. Like... Well, that was actually criticism for Spider-Man Homecoming because that whole first, like, 10 minutes of the movie, they released that way early at some con or something. Yes. And I had already seen it, too. So, I sit there and I I read a few things online where people are like, oh, this this would have been much better if this was not part of the movie and this was just, like, a little bonus thing that you could, as a fan of the right. movie and as a fan of Spider-Man, go and find online like they did with little Blade Runner shorts for the the three shorts they did or whatever, right? Right. Uh, so I but totally that get that. Didn't criticism. work out for Blade Runner, exactly, right? And <laughs> but though, like you you said in Spider Man, it took you a solid 10, 15 minutes to start to like it, though. It did, did it not. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's yeah. that is rough. That's rough. I mean, I know I gave the movie a very low rating, but I think it deserves some some critical success and uh, financial success too, right? We'll see. The only silver lining is I think it's going to have a, a much higher than normal Blu-ray and DVD sale because of those hardcore fans. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly going to be one of them. So we'll see if that sure. gives it a well, little shot. Well, second silver lining, they will not be making a no. sequel. No. <laughs> and I'm we got see- our wish. It's funny. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of skittish fans on the different forums and like responding to YouTube videos I watch on it saying like, okay. In a, in a way, this is good because lightning somehow managed to strike twice, but like now it's sealed off. We've yeah. got these two classics. Yeah. Woo! Don't have to worry about a third second. <laughs> Everyone else can hate it. We love it. Exactly. <laughs> well, okay. So then other than, you know, a, a, suppo- a probable or, you know, potent- potential is the word I'm looking for, a potential sequel from the success of this financial success, what does it bombing at the box office do to affect the fans of the franchise affect their enjoyment of it. It it doesn't. Right? It doesn't. Yeah. And that's why I said when I brought up this banter topic was that I'm more concerned about Dune and what happens with other creative intellectual Sure, you're right. Okay. So. In, 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 you know, that's big picture. That's big picture. Small picture, I'm still going to love the film. It's still going to get a Blu-ray DVD release and it will be treasured in my movie closet. And, and like that, that's certainly even viewing it. You so you get you know that they did not make that movie just as a cash cow. No, for the no. certainly. So yeah, I don't know. No, that's all I got on no. it. So Marty, what about you for Banner? Yeah, I got a few things. Uh, first of all, just want to talk about the Nintendo Switch for a few minutes. Um, I just think it's doing really well lately. I think we got a couple big games around the corner finally. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, they're kind of becoming a haven for indie games. I noticed like every week there's like 10 to 15 indie games or like retro games being released on the console. They're actually building a pretty respectable library. It's almost like they're, they're taking up the mantle um, that, that these uh, AAA, you know, like next-gen consoles had a couple generations ago, like with uh, PSN and with Xbox Live, you know, they used to have like the arcade summers and all those things. Yeah. Right? They're kind of taking up that mantle now because they can play those games. They're kind of the perfect platform. You can pick up and go. It's almost like a phone game. Mm-hmm. So you just pick up and go at any time. You can play it portably. And uh, they're, the ones they're releasing at a good price point anyways, I think it's a great idea. I've seen a few that are totally overpriced, though. Like, yeah. And they kind of arguably indie games, and they're like $39.99. Oh, shit. And that's just insane. Just out of curiosity, what's the price point for Stardew Valley? It was uh, nineteen dollars after mm. tax, which is on, which is what the price of the PC version is. Yeah, no, and I understand that, but it's just that's a game that's been out for a while, and True. that's that's why I was thinking maybe more closer to ten or fifteen. I was hope I was hoping for fifteen. Yeah, it was fifteen before it. They have it advertised for like fifteen, so I was like, oh, that's actually pretty reasonable. But they all their advertisements are before tax. Oh yeah, which is weird. That is for, weird. But so that's the price of. The PC version now, that's the same price as, like, if I were to go buy it again for my PC, I'm not that's sure. the price of it now. But, but I'm sure on the PC, they probably have sales all the time. You're, and, yeah, that's true. But, I, I mean, to, to Moby's point, though, of it being an older game, mm-hmm. one, is not that old. But it's new to the Switch. So yeah. you can't just assume that people mm-hmm. have, you know, people buying it on the Switch are necessarily people that have already played on the PC. They have to recoup their money for their costs of making it, of, tr- of porting it. Yeah. It is, a, yeah. it is an endeavor. I'm sure it's harder to port something to the Switch a little bit too. You know, it's a different yeah. kind of console. And also, they're adding a multiplayer component that comes up next oh, year. Yeah, the Switch right. gets it first. Oh, that's so, cool. So there is that. Yeah. Um, I think it's... I, I turned it on to play it for a couple hours just to see how it was <laughs> and uh, almost got addicted to it again. Right away. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really still great. And it... It plays perfectly on the Switch, right? It's like the per- it is the perfect console for it, right? It's just you know it, it play it, it runs because I'm also playing the SNES Classic. It's like playing these old old games and playing this new ge- like game that's like a retro game, but actually isn't like archaic. So it's it's fun. The mechanics are still great. It, it's worth the nineteen dollars, I think. And I'm, now I bought it twice, so <laughs> I guess I guess it's worth it. Uh, but I also, you know, they have a couple big games coming up, too. Mm-hmm. They've got, you know, Mario Odyssey, which will be out when this drops. And also uh, Skyrim's being re-released for it. You know, you've got, uh, like, Xeno, Xenoblade 2, or is it Xenosaga? Xenosaga, okay. Xenosaga, yeah. right, yeah. Big, big release. That's a big one. And then you've just got a few other big ones around the corner, too. And that's, you know, maybe there's, I think they're getting, like, Wolfenstein. They're also getting Doom. Like, they're getting oh. a couple of the... Big, you know, AAA titles that are coming out. Well, and you know, that's very heartening to me. I am probably one of three people in our country who owns a Wii U. And, you know, <laughs> where where Wii U failed for me, it wasn't like, you know, the, the controller or anything like that. But it had an extremely weak library. And already Nintendo's library, I had felt, had tailed off the second half of the Wii and so you basically saw this really established trend that was scary, you know, to the point that Zelda, like one of their flagship franchises, there was no true Wii U Zelda 
It was just a tag on, you know, a, a downgraded port of a Switch Zelda. And uh, the Wind Waker uh, port. Yeah, and I didn't like that either, is that they were just porting Twilight Princess, mm-hmm. porting Wind Waker, and slapping it in high definition. Say, here, pay full price. Yeah, you know what? Give me that option. Give, me, give it to me at a reasonable price. Put it on the Switch. Right. Put it on that, uh, you know, their arcade lineup or whatever, and give people the option, but don't make it the console seller because it's not going to be. No. And that's, uh, I mean, even though I think Skyrim on the Switch is cool, it's a, I think it's like a seven-year-old game at this point. I might play it, but is it's probably going to be $40. I don't know about that. That's that's a bit much. I mean, I am excited, though. I think they're they're turning ground with it, and we could be seeing some new, you know, some new innovations down the road, some new games, and hopefully they can keep it going. Um, the other thing I had was, uh, did you guys see the trailer for Marvel New Mutants? No. No. Have you seen that, Leland? No. Okay, so it's apparently... Didn't really interest me. ...set in the Marvel universe, um, but it's kind of like an alternative timeline sort of thing, because the universe is split off so many times. Right. So it's kind of separated from the main timeline. I, I don't know if, like, it's one of those timelines where only X-Men are dead or whatever, but it's about a younger group of mutants, and it's a horror film. Oh, okay. So it's kind of... It's, apparently it's got a lot of practical horror effects. It's trying to kind of be in like a Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street sort of vein. Uh-huh. Uh, set in like an insane asylum for mutants <laughs> okay. kind of thing. Uh, it's, it uh, it oh. could be cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I'm going to look up that trailer. It's uh, Arya from uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, oh, that's why I didn't watch it. Wow. All right, Marty, sounds great. <laughs> I will. No, no I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just, I didn't, I don't give a shit about that hype train be- behind that actress. So that's probably why I didn't watch yeah, it. Yeah, I don't even know her name, but. Maisie Williams. Cool. Maisie Williams, yeah. Maisie Williams. That's just cool. So, I did I is that what I texted you guys about with the whole mutant thing? Well, oh man, they're must not, die. They're not mutant. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I wasn't I texting you about a Marvel show using the term mutant. What was I? Was that that's not what it was, right? It was some no, TV show. It, it you're thinking of gifted. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And about. we thought it was about it was that we thought that Marvel Studios was producing it. But I'm sh- I'm pretty but sure it's, it's still just because of its Mar as Marvel characters, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So is this New Mutants then through Fox? Yes. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. So but it is. It's so. But it's not part of any Marvel universe. No. It's, no it's, Marvel Studios universe. No. It's, see, that's why this is stupidly confusing. Yeah, but is he? There's no X Men in the Marvel Studios universe yet. Yeah. That's still, you know, they have their Deadpool franchise. They can't even call them mutants. They have to call them miracles, which is what they did in Avengers Two. Yeah. So like Wanda is a miracle, not a mutant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's weird. Huh? Um, but yeah, they've got what they've got: Deadpool franchise. They've yeah. got the. Uh, I guess they're continuing with the younger cast of mutants. Like I think there's a Phoenix film coming out. Oh, and great! <laughs> isn't that's kind of weird? They're just taking all, the, all they're, they're taking all these Game of Thrones characters and making them mutants. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Next thing we'll have is Jon Snow, who literally creates snow. All, all the, the oh, man. All, 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 the, all the Starks are going to be mutants. Sean Sean, Sean, Bean, man. Sean Bean is beanstalk. He grows beans out of his fingers. Little finger literally makes a little finger. <laughs> no. 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 Just no. No. Stop talking about this. No. I hate Game of Thrones. 
So stupid. Why? Why is it so popular? I don't is understand. It's great. It's not great. It is great. It is good at best. It is great it's at not best. great. At best, it, it is, is not great. It is severely overrated. How do you figure? No, Just because you don't agree with No, you, it's crazily overrated. Just because no. you don't like it doesn't mean it's severely overrated. I, it's so overrated. Man. If you don't like fantasy, Why? that's fine. I didn't say I don't like fantasy. It's so, it's crazy overrated. It's I don't so get good. It's not as... It's so overrated. I don't understand. It's such it. a rich universe they draw from. They pres- they yeah. made such a great television series out of it. Great casting choices, great effects. Uh, well, I don't know about casting choices, but because it has Maisie Williams. I'm just saying. I think I, I I believe that it is overrated. It's not the best TV show. No, ever. I agree. I agree. It's not the best. TV okay, show. because now, that's when you talk to anybody about Game of Thrones. That's the impression that, that they like to put on. That's you. because it's the best TV show they've seen. Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> and I think the issue is that it's the most popular good TV show right now. Okay. And that's why, you know, you, you think of what's comparative on cable. Walking you're Dead. Right, you're right, right. Walking yeah. Dead. Walking Dead is garbage. And Walking Dead is really bad. <laughs> so bad. I mean, last season was just really, really bad. Yeah, well, season seven was not. It was so slow. It was yeah. Like, ugh. And I, mean, I don't, okay. Um, Negan's character is stupid. They've, I, I, it's yeah. so dumb. Why does he keep his? I don't understand any of his motivations. Why no. does he keep the, let these fuckers live? They keep they literally screw him over and break his rules like six different times in season seven, and he doesn't fucking murder them. He's so much more interesting in the comics. It doesn't make any sense. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's Ugh. not good at all. Fuck. Yeah, just like Game of Thrones. So dumb. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. Why I don't like it as much as you guys? Because I really love dragons. <laughs> like, I don't. So I don't. I don't. I don't understand. I think you don't like it because it's popular. Maybe, but I like other popular shit. Maybe you don't. As I do. Like if what? we tell you to watch a popular thing, you never. You will know what it is? It's because we like it so that's, much. That's bullshit. It, upset, I do like it upsets you. It's like you know we will. You have too many people who are hitting you with it. Not just us, but then other people. Yeah. You're getting hit with too much of this stuff. When you're oversaturated with something, you get upset about it. <laughs> Maybe, but I don't. Th- I don't. You know, not I, anymore. I think Doctor Marty's psychologist is bang on. Here. I think so, and I also think that <laughs> you, you know, the, you tried reading the book. You weren't really into it. Okay, that is seriously what tainted me. That first novel sucked. See, and I, I like so the, bad. I like it the was first impossible novel. to get through. See, and I, I could have read the last chapter and been happy with it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. I thought it was very I, tough for me to get through. Mm-hmm. Mind you. I also thought it was very tough to get through the Lord of the Rings series. Yes. So they're in a similar vein. So maybe I do have things with fantasy. But mm-hmm. I like fantasy. I don't like know. Like what? <laughs> like, well, I mean, maybe not fantasy movies, but I like fantasy, like, D&D. Maybe and, you don't you know, like fantasy that's... movies, though. Maybe that, maybe. Or fantasy. Uh, but I like, I like exploring fantasy worlds and even writing about fantasy worlds and, you know, playing in fantasy worlds. Well, why can't why you don't just I read like... the books and explore the worlds with your mind? All right, maybe I should read the second book then. Fine, let me borrow the second book and I will read it and I'll give it another chance. Just audible it. Oh, that's, yeah. That's the way no, to No, I'm not paying for it. I'm not fucking paying for it. That's ridiculous. That's cheap. Why you the get... fuck would I pay for you something get... I'm probably going to hate? <laughs> that's stupid. You should get a subscription. No, I don't know. Okay, well, that's not what I wanted to banter about. <laughs> I, I pay for this podcast. All right, but I will say, though, I I will say, well, we all pay on the ass for this podcast. I will say, though, despite I don't watch Game of Thrones, one, because I don't have HBO and I'm not going to go through the trouble. I don't even have cable. I'm not going to go through the trouble of getting it just to watch Game of Thrones. But I do watch 
uh, YouTube videos of episode wrap-ups and, you know, like, overviews and in-depth things. So I'm, it's not like I, I don't have never, I've never seen it and I'm judging it on, you know, nothing. You're judging it based on other people's criticism. No, no, no. It's not people criticizing it. It's people like, okay, there's, I don't know what the channel is, but they, uh, it's, they're actually really good videos and it, they actually are interesting videos. And I do like the lore, but they go into more in-depth stuff and also like comparing it to stuff from the book. Right. So like it's very in depth. I'm not. It's not like I'm just talking out my ass and I'm like judging a book by ah a book by its cover. Because <laughs> I read that book. It was bad. So like I don't know why I don't enjoy it as much as I do. But I know what happens. I know all the cool highlights, and I really like all the all the cool stuff that happens. You know, like when Daenerys fucked up that army in the in the field in the last season. Like that's really cool. <laughs> She's coming and cool. burning like hundreds of dudes. That's really cool shit. Apparently, that was the biggest onset like time where they've had the most amount of people on fire at once. <laughs> Whoa! I think it was like twenty <laughs> wow. or thirty people on fire. Yeah, uh, you know, like extras and stunt people, and yeah, it was just That's insane. Awesome. And it, it is a really crazy visual. Yeah, no, it, it was it was cool. So I look at all this stuff, and like it was really cool when the Ice King took over that dragon and exploded the wall with with the fucking ice dragon or whatever. Or it's not actually an ice dragon, but you know the resurrected dragon. Technically, it's not it's an, ice, an dragon. ice dragon. No, it's not. It's icy enough. No, but technically, it's not an actual ice dragon because so it, there's a different. You there, say tomato. I say no, but it, it actually is an ice dragon. There's a thing. There's a. It's like why am I telling you this? You should be telling me. See, are you telling anyone? Just because this? Just you're because. debating okay. the biology you know of a fictional. No, but it's not. An, it's not an ice dragon. Of course, it's just an undead dragon. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's not te- It's not an ice dragon that is born and grew up in the far north. No. So technically, it's not an ice it's dragon. It's a Draco Let's move on. <laughs> there you go. That's what it's closest to. Yeah. But that's all I'm saying. But, uh, but my point is, just because I don't like it, I know that it's popular, and I know you guys enjoy it, and I like to converse about things with you, I, get, I deep dive this shit, even if I don't necessarily enjoy it. So it's not like I'm just shunting it. I just I legitimately cannot tell you why I don't like it. One, oh, I also I don't really like Arya's character. I don't I don't really understand the appeal to it. Like, I, I yeah I don't know. I just I don't buy that she's such an effective assassin. <laughs> she's this tiny little girl. I don't understand it. I don't know. I, uh... She's trained by the Hound. Ah, uh, still she's trained by lots of people. She's like this faceless dude now. It just doesn't make any sense. It's okay there. This was okay. the T-Hud Banter Bonus. <laughs> uh, I'm Moby. Well, that was unexpected. <laughs> I was not expecting to go all the little game with yeah, What were we talking? Oh, we were talking about, okay, X-Men, Maisie Williams. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was probably why I, I saw, I think I was scrolling, I saw an article, I was like, oh, great, Maisie Williams passed. Oh. So that's probably why I didn't look into it. I don't even know what mutant she's supposed to be. Well, and even like watching, uh, she was in... The latest Doctor Who season, like she played a pretty pivotal character, and I'm like, oh, this is, they're just throwing her in because she's Maisie Williams. That's what I don't like. I don't that's know. what they do with actors and actresses. I know that, and that's why it bugs me. It bugs me. It's not just her. It's think any 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 character that just because. Well, you know what I think. It seems like the like the cast of British roles yeah. seems just ridiculously incestuous to me. It is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I like, I think that grates me and I'm like, Oh, okay, great. You know, I've seen this actor, like actress hundreds of times. Like it's a lot like that with some American shows with like 
character actors, though. Yeah, you're less you're right. Starring, you're maybe. right. You're right. But think about how how many like if the exact same like characters. If, if well, if, not even the exact same, but it feels like David Boreanaz has been on TV for like four oh, years. Oh, you're right. You're right. What's his new show now? He's in. He's got a. He's got a new show where he just plays the same dude. I think he's like a war vet or something. Like yeah, he's legitimately been playing that character for the last twenty years. Like yeah. <laughs> like uh like he was running bones like he's, yeah he was an fbi agent in bones vampire and cop veteran <laughs> yeah i just you're right you're right they do totally he's been on but, tv you know, since 1998 or something that's crazy and he looks yeah. the exact same yeah he looks so young still he's just like beefier yeah but you know maybe it's because i don't watch those shows i don't watch the, those crappy cable shows no, i watch either. i watch way more british I stuff hate right? serialized no, yeah. not serialized like um what do they call it like uh um I know what you're getting yeah. at, though. Like, um, procedurals. Procedurals, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't watch that shit. So, no. maybe that's... Yeah, okay. Okay. Wow. Fucking tangents, man. Oh, my God. Oh, well, God. it's in them. Well, I will say, I will certainly be paying attention to the final season of Game of Thrones, obviously. I want to know. I want to know what happens still, but I'm not going to watch it. One final David Boreanaz tangent. <laughs> okay. You've seen the BoJack Horseman? Where they, uh, yeah, where they, they, yeah. <laughs> they pretend that Bojack's house is David Boreanaz's house. Yeah. That's so they just put up pictures of him all over. Because yeah. <laughs> one of the characters is living there with Bojack. Bojack's away for Moby, who, who's never seen it. <laughs> like a tour bus goes by, and the, you know, one of those Hollywood tours, like, oh, this is David Boreanaz's house. And he starts charging them to view David <laughs> Boreanaz's house. <laughs> so he's like, pa- there's like paste-ups of David Boreanaz over all of the Bojack Horseman pictures and stuff. like And like recordings of him in the bathroom. He's like, get out of my house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I can see what's funny there. Yeah, that was weirdly funny. That was, yeah. I thought that was... No, really I funny. like so, that. I like that <laughs> idea. <laughs> Alright. Holy boy. So, oh, boy. Uh, it's on good to the- we don't actually cover TV, really. Oh. We ran, I mean, we we ran a, a TV segment. That'd be Pandora's box. Maybe it might. It might. I mean, we've already covered Pretty Little Liars. That was a great start. 13 Reasons Why. (laughs) Oh, no. I don't want to talk about that stupid show. You're going through changes. (laughs) We can't talk about that show. We'll go to jail. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be flying by the FBI. Well, uh, I think we'll move on to uh, one of the segments. Oh, my God. That was a really long venture. <laughs> Super long. I was warning you guys as I silently sat back. And it got texted. pretty heated there for a second too. Yeah, I wasn't backing down. No, it got really heated. Guys, we're tangenting on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the episode. We're going to a tangent episode. universe. Okay. <laughs> Video game variety show. Uh, it's the DLC, also known as. Disgusting loser charges. Exactly. Thank you. I had the wrong page in front of me. I'm not prepared. You know, <laughs> I don't. I have three pages on Game of Thrones. If you guys want to get back to that, yeah. So, disgusting loser charges. Leland, Game of Thrones is not for disgusting losers. Ah, are you sure? Because it sounds like George R. R. Martin is a disgusting loser. If he doesn't release the next novel, he might very well be. Yeah. But getting back to DLC. We want to talk about downloadable content for games and how we feel about it. I personally want to say I think it's 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 a problem. I think it's a money grab by studios. I get it. I get that games cost some of these big games cost a lot of money, but 
have you guys seen like loot boxes in games? Like yeah. these big games. So you but you basically pay to win. And I, I hate that. Yeah, I mean that's that's a game killer for me. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't like DLC in two cases. Number one is the money grab, where basically the game is so broken or unfun or uncompetitive without the DLC that that there's no point in having purchased the game in the first place. I didn't do any significant research on it, but I know that Sims 4 really suffered from that, where basically like, everything was a microtransaction or DLC. Really, like furniture and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like The point is like, yeah, here's a cot. And if you want any bed that's better, you actually have to spend real money to buy it. Um, well, I think there is a differentiation between microchargers and DLC. Okay, fair enough. I mean, maybe that's splitting hairs, but they're both they're both annoying. Like, microchargers are annoying. Yeah. Like you said, when they interrupt the game, when you can't actually play yeah. aspects of the game without getting some, getting one of them. Yeah, that's certainly... Yeah, when they're game-breaking like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, so that was one case, you know, where, where the game's not fun otherwise... You know, the other thing is, and, and this is more in general terms, I just don't think most DLC is good value for what they charge for it. That's Period. a good point. I think a lot of it isn't. Uh, it depends on the game. I have a couple examples of good ones. Me too. I've and one. uh, for me, I think one of the best ones I've played, well, I have two really good ones. One was uh, Oblivion, uh, Shivering Isles. I would, that is my pick too. That's so funny. That it's, one was actually, it was like nineteen ninety nine. That was so and it was like good. A, it was like a 40 hour game. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. The DLC itself is like a quarter of the size of the actual game. Yeah. Wow. Like a full on different it was map. A whole new area. Yeah. New so story. Cool. Yeah, new story. Yeah, I mean, it introduced a lot. And then the other one, honestly, is the Witcher 3's two expansions. You can buy them together in a package. I think it's like nineteen ninety nine on sale. Normally okay. twenty nine. One is a full-on 30-hour game. The other one's about a 15-hour story-based DLC, but with extra stuff. It doesn't add any real new map, but it expands the map a little bit. But the other one's a full-on new map, so it adds a new continent. Uh, it adds a whole bunch of new gameplay elements, and the story actually really nicely wraps up the game. It, it adds to the original. One, one question, does it add more Gwent cards? Yes. All right, I'm getting it. I'm getting it, baby. Oh, I love it. It adds a new Gwent faction. What? Yeah. Whoa. And actually, there's a whole thing about it because that's like considered like blasphemous to Gwent because like <laughs> it's not normal. Like some guy, he's like, I found this Gwent thing that someone created, and we're gonna test it out. And then people who are like really big into Gwent are like, that is not acceptable. That's <laughs> hilarious. Gwent yeah. is a it's like a dumb card game that you can play in game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which has now become its own game. It oh is, wow! Yeah, okay. I I think it's fun. I like it. It's really like good. It. Yeah. So okay. it's basically like a three round game, and uh, it's kind of based a bit on bluffing. So you have it's you play like attack card powers, and there's different things that change. Um, kind of like your power of cards. So you have like a uh, like artillery cards. Um, yeah, there's there's three rows. Archer, that you play. I think melee. That's right. And you can play cards that like wipe out uh, all the melee cards or yeah, like take them down to one of, one power or something. Yeah, right? different effects affect a different row. Yeah, and that's kind of yeah. how you play. But because of three rounds, you can actually um, choose to basically stand at any time. So if you feel like you're getting trounced in round one, you can like, just be like, no, I'm done. You take the loss. Take it's the, the best loss. Of three, right? Because you still have all your other cards. That's right. So you might be at a benefit for the later rounds. But you do only, you start the game and you only have a hand of ten cards, I think it is, yeah. to play these three rounds. Mm -hmm. 
you know, neglecting other card abilities that allow you to draw more or stuff like that. But yeah. It's pretty fun. It is. I think it's pretty well-rounded. Yeah. I don't know how the standalone is, but... Uh, yeah, I wonder. You know, I think it's... I've heard a few good things, but yeah. I haven't really tested it out. Yeah, I should play it. You know. And if they just use all the cards that they put into Wild Hunt and just make... Like, if they just did that... I think they've just kind of rounded them out a bit, so they're not... Yeah, that's open. that's the thing. You have to balance them yeah. and you're going to make it its own... Yeah. You, yeah, you have to balance. But that's something about, uh, you know, the Witcher 3 developers, like like, uh, Project Red, um, is that they, or CD Project Red, sorry, they made most of their DLC free. So I think the first 21 DLC, they had a DLC every week, which was, some of it was small, it was just like this piece of armor or whatever. Everything was free. There was no no strings attached. Everyone who bought it got it for free. And then the only DLC that cost any money was the big story DLC. That's cool. And that was it. Yeah, and then they said they didn't charge you ten bucks for horse armor. They didn't charge you ten dollars for horse armor, and they actually said, you know, we're done with the game. We're not going to upscale it to four K. You know, we're done. But then when four when PS4 Pro came out, they came out and they upscaled it to four K anyways. Oh, yeah, for free. Oh, yeah, wow. So they said, okay, we'll release another uh, um, update. That's cool. I mean, the game's been out for three years, and they're still updating it. Yeah, shit. So it's pretty cool, and and not too many uh, developers do that. That's for sure. Yeah. I think that comes, though, with the history of that franchise and where that it's drawn from, too. That whole, like, those Norwegian, that series of novels, is like, they're like holy Bibles, you know, from, from Norway or whatever. Like, they're, they're like, legitimately, I think they're, what, I th- what was it? I think it's reading? Poland. Oh, is it Poland? I think so. Well, okay. Wherever it's from, they're, they're, like, very highly coveted, and I think I was reading, like, they're like handed out at like citizenship tests or something like that. Really? They have like that's yeah. like they're they're a very important part of the culture, I think. Yeah. So like coming and you know that obviously that company knows knows that and knows the source material and you know they they want to share it. I guess it's yeah. important it's important to them and they feel that it's it's worth sharing to to the rest of the world. So that's well, pretty cool. That was the only game I think they developed for about 10 years straight was Witcher games. Wow. And now they're yeah. finally moving on away from it for a bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that was their whole, maybe even longer, probably about 12 or 13. That's crazy. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much since their inception. Well, um, I, I really, like you said, with Shivering Isles, that was, that's my favorite DLC ever. And I I mean, that's really, that's the best DLC I've ever bought or played. And But that's not saying much because I rarely get DLC. But I just fucking loved it, man. It was like, the best part of that game, a whole new world, and it's like separated into two parts, like Mania and Dementia, and Mania is all like, like brightly colored and you know well lit, and Dementia is like this dark and grubby place. It's just oh so cool, and you get totally new sets of armor because you get new crafting components and stuff, and new enemies, and oh, I loved it. So good, so good. I'm not really a DLC guy because again, I don't see the value in it, and it's got to be really like, well-reviewed, I think, before I would even consider getting it. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine dropping the, like, 50 or $60 they've charged for, like, the season pass now. Yeah, that's stupid. I did that for Arkham Knight. Big mistake. So dumb. Ugh. So dumb. Yeah, I hate the season pass thing in general. Just Yeah, because you got no guarantee of the value that you're going to get from it. No, no. Yeah, stupid of me. I don't know why I did that. I was just so pumped to get Arkham Knight after Arkham City because I loved Arkham City. And Arkham Knight was a letdown comparatively. And that season pass was stupid. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Just like Game of Thrones. Dumb, dumb, dumb. 
This has all happened before, and it will happen again. I'll let it slide this time. What if I secretly like Game of Thrones and I'm just trolling just to make the podcast interesting? I wouldn't be surprised. That sounds like something you'd do. <laughs> Maybe I do like Game of Thrones. It does seem like you're watching a lot of videos with something you don't like. I know, right? I then really... again, you did watch seven seasons of Pretty Little <laughs> That's <Friday>. true. <laughs> oh my god, we have to stop talking about this. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't somebody suggesting we talk about, like, our guilty pleasures or something? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah that's uh, we got theme. a comment on SoundCloud from uh, username Green Eyes. That's a good theme. Guilty yeah, I like pleasure. it. It's a good like, topic. Guilty pleasure, like, movies? Like, movies, video Guilt games, I think. Yeah. yeah. Movies, video games, board games. I don't games. really think I... I oh, am yeah, board games. I don't think I have a guilty pleasure in board games. Okay. Like, yeah, that's... Right? Yeah, that's, yeah, I don't really know. The only thing I can think of is, like... Like a game, you know, someone who is in depth in the hobby that enjoys some of like the heavier games, like the the Euro games, like games like Terra Mystica, even even like heavy, Terraforming Mars is it's it's complex gameplay, light rules but complex gameplay. Like I, I can see a guilty pleasure being like something like Cards of Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. Right? Like if you really enjoy those type of just yeah. like stupid like dumb little party games, they could be a guilty pleasure. But I don't think that type of medium really lends to having a guilty pleasure like you know what i mean hmm. i guess it depends how you define it maybe if you like if there's a game that the industry like you know usually people shit on in the industry right yeah i guess that's what it well, is i guess if you like that tentacle game we talked about last <laughs> you, you like tentacle bento <laughs> yeah <laughs> that could be your guilty pleasure that could be that is like underlying pleasure bro <laughs> guilty pleasure <laughs> Yeah. Wow, this is a tangential. Wow. I'm going to bring us back on topic here. So my example of DLC that was actually really good, I, I only have one example, and it's my favorite single player PC game period. It's called World in Conflict Soviet Assault. It's a, uh, a real time strategy game that came out in 2007. It was, I don't know, IGN's 2007 game of the year. It was really highly touted, but... Its DLC was really awesome. What it did is it still had the original campaign, but now you had six Soviet missions added to, I think, the 12 American missions. And the Soviet missions, it was seamless. So they were added or interspersed in between the American missions. In fact, the first mission of the entire game became the Soviets like invading Western Germany, which started the whole like World War III, mm. um, all the scenarios the Soviets do were amazing. There wasn't one that felt um, that it shouldn't have been there. Uh, it was seamless with the cinematics. It really explained the story because you know why the Soviets are trying to invade. And the voice acting and the cinematics for the Soviets was, uh, in my opinion, better than even the Americans were. Wow. I couldn't... The best thing I can say about this DLC was like 15 bucks is I could not imagine playing the game without it. I, it the game is like half as good as it would have been totally. without this added. Totally. And that's a glowing review. Yeah, you know, and um, when that the interspersal thing that immediately that a comparison that immediately comes to my mind is is Ark of City with uh, the Catwoman as a playable character. Mm. That was DLC. I think I, I bought like the collector's edition of it, of course, because I did that back then a lot. Um, and I think my copy automatically came with it, but you just download it and it does it, it, at different points in the game, 
you switch from playing from ba- playing Batman to Catwoman's segment. That's and cool. It's, well, it sounds cool, but it actually was not oh. that great. I just wa- I wanted to play as Batman. Like I wished that there was an option for me to turn it off. Interesting. Because on on subsequent because okay. I played the fuck I played that game a lot. Like I put more hours into Arkham City than I put into Skyrim. I played that game so much. You did, I remember. Yeah, and that I mean that includes all the challenge rooms and stuff. Like I three starred every single challenge in there. There's like hundreds of them with every character. That's why there's so many of them. Like five different playable characters. Yeah, whatever. Sorry, tangent, tangent, tangent. But like, I I really wish I could have just turned it off because I, I mean, it's not like there were bad sections. Just I I don't care. I've already played this. I I see your story. I just want to play Batman. I'm upgrading Batman. I'm getting all these cool new gadgets and stuff, and I'm getting new gear and I'm honing my combat. I just want to play as Batman. I want to fuck up like twenty different dudes and get like a hundred and fifty x combo because I haven't been touched in five minutes. I mean, <laughs> zipping around and batteranging and electric shocking and zip line at people and flying kicks like so i wish i could have turned it off yeah yeah that's interesting but i mean i do think that is a cool concept i do like that yeah and you're right like in this case um i happen to love the dlc but it's not an option yeah um, you can't you can't not you play can't. With it once you same, have it. same thing there so i can put myself in your shoes and go hmm you know if some of these segments were mediocre or just didn't fit yeah, I would have wanted to turn them off, and it would have yeah. been bad if I couldn't. Yeah, I, I I guess that's though like the same as you buying a, the full game, and if there are one or two sections of the game that just aren't as good as the rest of the game, it's not like you they wouldn't give you the option to turn that stuff off. Yeah. So I guess yeah. that's similar, but I mean I don't know when you're when you're talking about additional content, I don't know. I would I want to be able to choose whether or not. I play with that additional content, right? Like, right, right. Well, what's next? I mean, we we actually started off with what DLC was good. Oh. Um, I have some, one major example of bad DLC, but Marty, do you have? Well, I think it's just interesting. We had a lot more positives than I thought we would. Hmm. You know, I thought uh, for sure that we'd be uh, harping on the negative aspects of DLC, but it seems like we have some good feedback too. Yeah, I mean, I got two negatives. Yeah. Um. One of them is in my most played game period for any console, World of Warships. Um, and what it is is that uh, the ships come in 10 tiers. So tier one is, you know, the easiest ship. You spend like one or two battles on that and most people never come back. Tier 10 is like the ultimate ships. It is virtually impossible to not lose in-game currency, even if you're having a fucking phenomenal battle in tier nine or 10 probably eight, nine, or 10, even with a premium account, you don't have to run a premium paid account. It's still impossible often to get money unless you use paid consumables like flags, which get added to your ship, or you buy like an 80 or $90 premium ship that always makes money, even if you completely shit the bed and like, like get three shell hits in an entire match, which is absolutely nothing. And I know a lot of other people complain about that. And, and yeah, it's tough. I, I love the game, but I really hate that about that game. So I don't understand. How does it work? You go in there, you pick a sh- this cool top tier ship and then you lose cash because yeah. you're using it. Yeah. Unless it is a premium ship. Yeah. Or w- which means you buy it from a store. Okay. Like you can, it's, it's free to play. Meaning yeah. You can earn lines of regular ships. Very slowly over Very a slowly. lot of time. Yes. Sure. That's classic. Model. But. 
But, Sorry, but no, that okay. I'm confused on the mechanic of the game that is making you lose the money. Well, you get the better you do, the more shell hits, the more fires you set on other ships, the more areas you capture. No one is capping. Yeah. Everything from flooding with torpedoes, torpedo hits, secondary battery hits, you all get money for that. Yeah. But okay, here's where you're probably confused on the mechanic. They make you pay to replenish your ammunition and repair your ship at the end of each map. Oh, I see. Okay. And so you're not earning enough to cover you're those You're not earning enough to cover because those Because the ship is so high-tiered. Uh, yes. Okay, okay, I'm and on board. And that's where everyone wants I to get play. It. I'm on board now, okay. And that's uh, garbage. <laughs> it is garbage. And people have complained, and the company said they've worked on it, but you still have to basically, like, place first or second to not lose money. Oh, man. And so what it forces you to do is to either buy in-game currency run flags which cost you money or play a bunch of games to earn money at like lower tiers where you don't want to be where earning money is actually fairly easy yeah and then you use that money to pay off your games at higher tier wow but it's still completely in the wrong direction wow the other example i've got and this is probably my second most played pc game is civilization six what really pisses me off here is, so the game was released, it cost about $70, and I think it had 25 civilizations that you could be. Now they're one by one releasing uh, civilizations, like they released Poland and Australia, who's really good, now like Nubia, whatever that is. Um, but there's $7 per like new civilization. So, wow. so do the math. You get a complete game, yep. and... You know, 25 civs, and now you have to pay 7 to get this other, um, you know, DLC. And I think that's a case where the marketing is just completely off, which is really unfair for the amount of money they're trying to charge in comparison to what the game was. Mm -hmm. And actually, this is one of the better civilizations. The ones previous, like the 3 or 4, got really ripped by the fans. They were basically released in, like, bare-bones state. And it's like, oh... You want this module, like a better diplomacy module. There's 20 bucks. You know, you want this. They're like making you buy parts of the game. So these civilizations could be functional. Basically, yeah. That is fucking garbage. It was. It was garbage. Holy shit. It was garbage. That sucks, man. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. It does. It does. And that's the bad thing. When these games come out, it feels like they're not complete. Yeah. You know, it, the DLC should feel like they started making it after the game. Like, the game was done. It was, you know, gold standard, ready to go, 100%. Everything we wanted is in there. It's shipped. And then, okay, now we have more stories to tell. Now we have more content we dreamt of. But if it ships hollow, and then suddenly you're charging us a month later for content to make it practically playable, that's bullshit. Yeah. That's bullshit. It was so outrageous that the game before civilization six which was beyond earth it was a civilization game but you're like colonizing a planet they like the ocean was literally just a black void that you could put ships on in the beginning it looked totally out of place and then what you bought as a dlc they called it uh what do they call it R rising depths or something like that it actually added a functional ocean with like see-through water and, like, resources so you could build a, a, you know, a city to take advantage of some underwater resources. But it was so egregious, like, they hadn't even animated an ocean when they released this 2015 game. You have to pay for water. Yeah, you have to pay for water. Water ain't free. 
Wow. So that's that's like, all I got. Yeah, I don't really have any examples of egregious DLC because, like I said, I don't often partake in it. Mm. And, yeah, so I just, I, like, I've never felt like I've been completely ripped off except for that Batman Ark- <laughs> the Arkham Knight <laughs> season pass. Why did I buy that? Oh, my God. So dumb. Yeah, I think I've avoided those ripoffs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it annoys me that they're even there. You oh, know? yeah. I, mean, I, it is. I know they're just taking advantage. I do understand from the aspect that the developer does recoup a lot of money that way, and they're able to keep making these very expensive games, you know, like these Grand Theft Autos and, like, uh, even the Battlefronts, Call of Duty, they're, they're expensive games to make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And they need to make their money back to keep making them. And I get that. So if people want to pay for content, I guess more than, you know, yeah. more power to them. That's the thing. Like, there's no regulation. So we as the consumer have to regulate it ourselves. Yeah. And you can't mass regulate that. You have to just regulate it individually. Yeah. So you choose not to buy that game. Exactly. And, uh, you know, if enough people actually made that choice, then maybe they, they'd be just more discouraged to to, of the developers making these decisions to try to rake us over the coals for our hard-earned sweet, sweet cash. Mm-hmm. It's annoying. Uh, but I did just think of um, uh, a DLC thing. Like, okay, MGS5, Phantom yeah. Pains, like Ground Zero. I mean, it's not really DLC, I guess. It's, it's, it is different, but like Ground Zeroes came out before the actual main game of Phantom Pain, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I bought it and I played it and I don't I didn't see a single benefit from having bought and played that of no. my enjoyment of Phantom Pain. It was, like it was really more like a gameplay demo for like what yeah. Phantom, how Phantom Pain's like basic gameplay would work. Yeah. But even that, it was not indicative of what Phantom Pain became. No, no, no. And then like Phantom Pain wasn't, they didn't even finish Phantom Pain. No, I it know. They didn't, it wasn't even released as a finished game. It like, wasn't. The ending, there was no ending to it. No, it's really weird. Yeah. Like it like, feels like it needed like another act. Yeah. I mean, that game was great and very enjoyable but there was lots of things wrong with it lots it's both like one of my favorite games ever and one of my most like disappointing games yeah oh man that's such a weird it's one of those things where something is so good but all you can think of is how much better it it could and should have been yeah yeah Yeah. man that that game just it got way too samey like the game the gameplay is super fun um, the story is the story when you get it is pretty engaging. Like if you enjoy, if you like the characters and stuff, but those, those pieces are so few and far between or can be depending on the way you go through the game. Cause it's so sandboxy, right? There's just so much shit you could do. You could go 30 hours in between each story point. If you really yeah. want it, it's insane. And it never ends with, and, it, and it's just the same stuff over and over and over. Mm-hmm. There's only two main areas. It could have benefited from at least another one. A third would have been really good, yeah. It just, it got really samey. But, like, it's fun. Like, I often get the the inclination, the itch to just fire back up and just tool around. Grab a tank and, like, my (laughs) favorite memory from that thing is listening to, um, you know, because you find, like, tapes. Because it's set in the 80s or whatever. You find, like, tapes and soundtracks. And, damn, what is the song? What's the name of the song? It's like, uh, oh, Rebel Yell. So I found a tape for Rebel <laughs> Yell, and I'm sitting, and I find this tank. I'm like, yes! I get in this tank, kill some dudes around it, steal this tank, and I was listening to Rebel Yell, just run around this that tank, just awesome. running over dudes and blasting yeah. the fuck out. Oh, man. Such a, so every time that song comes on the radio now, or I hear that song, instant memory for that that mm. great part of that game. And I just, oh, I love it. Love it. That's awesome. But like you said, it just 
could have been so much more. They really could have been. Yeah. yeah. It, I would almost think like a snowy area, like snow-capped mountains or that something. That could have been cool. That would yeah. be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because you got a lot of Because you could get lots... Because instead of the sand blow over, you just get blizzards blow over. Yeah. And you get, the, you get the same mechanic, the same weather mechanic mm-hmm. and the same effects, yeah. but in a different... In a little bit of a varied environment kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, that could have been cool. Yeah. yeah, and it would have been a lot like the original MGS, where it was like all like in like this northern sort of fortress. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Could have thrown back a little. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that kind of tangented off DLC a little bit, but hey... <laughs> Well, that's okay. That's we're the name th- of the episode. We're only three and a half hours into the podcast. <laughs> and we so haven't even started. We ready for movie musings? Okay, Let's do it! If you say it in an excited fashion. I thought that was pretty I good. literally just said movie musings? <laughs> well, the listener can't see your weird eyebrow raise. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought I had enough intonation. Anyways, this segment, which is probably going to be the shortest today, um, despite its... Uh, large, boisterous size. Yeah. It's titled 3D Double D. Might be the most... Our, uh, our chests are ranty. bursting. Bursting to discuss this oh, segment. Yeah. Uh, what what I was inspired for this segment, this was my idea. It's to do with uh, 3D in, in theaters. Um, so maybe I'll start. Uh, we all have... It is your segment. Yes, I probably should. I, for the most part, love 3D in the theaters flat out. I've gone back uh, multiple times, including by myself with no friends, to see old movies re-released in 3D. Like, <laughs> with, no, with no friends with no movie's friends. middle name. Terminator 2 <laughs> a few weeks ago. Uh, Top Gun, though I think I had a friend there. Leland, did you and I see Jurassic Park in 3D? I think the three of us three and of us your brother, I think we all went. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was awesome. The 20. 20- 20th anniversary. You were right. It was awesome. Not was awesome. because 3D. of 3D. No, because it was Jurassic Park. Yeah. Oh, I I really liked it. So I'd never seen Jurassic Park on a big screen. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I actually did. Yeah, I'm such... I'm, I guess I'm a little bit older than you guys, so I was just old enough to get there. In fact, I saw it in a sneak preview a few days before the wide release. My dad had got tickets in some theater in Vancouver I never went back to. And it was like big plush seats, and he got it through work, I think. That's cool. So back then, I didn't really appreciate so that's a, it. That's a good memory. It is I'm a great sure memory. sure that memory stands out. It is a great memory, except my mom slapping her hand over my eyes till it hurt because for the graphic deaths, because my mom was very uh, oh. sheltering. There really wasn't any graphic deaths in that movie. Oh, she hated the scene where the guy gets eaten off the toilet seat. Oh, she, <laughs> there isn't even any blood in we that were scene. Banned, we were banned from PG-13 looking at that movie. scene until like... Pretty much when I moved Is to that, the street where I met you guys, and I was like fifteen, and my mom movie PG. That. I think so. Yikes! My mom just hates. <laughs> oh, his legs are flailing, and he's in the mouth, and the teeth are big, yeah. and it's he's, like uh, he's brushing the T Rex teeth. He's yeah. just helping the T Rex. I'm like, mom. In the next scene, I have to see Jeff Goldblum's bare naked chest inflating in and out. That's the content you should have protected me from, mother. No. <laughs> you should have covered his eyes. <laughs> It's Jeff Goldblum. An adolescent mind can't handle Goldblum. Um, anyway, so I just flat out love 3D in films. It makes me want to go to theaters more often than wait for certain films to come out on Blu-ray or DVD. It's a special experience. It's not stale in my opinion. And yeah, that that's my thoughts. Ooh, can I have thoughts? Yes. It is not a special experience. 
It is the opposite of a special experience. Every film is in 3D now. Almost all of them should not be in 3D. That's a great point. Oh, okay, a lot are, but I, it's unfair to say every film is in 3D. Almost every big could you find budget. me? Could you find me a list of six of them that aren't? I'm sure there was a pretty big release that came out. I will try to find a list. Well, okay, so I don't think I Dunkirk was. Yes, maybe that was. But... That is one filmmaker who had to, like, fight to not have his movie be 3D. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a big deal. Like, 3D makes the money. That's why they do it. It doesn't cost much extra to make it. They just up upscale it or whatever, right? A lot of them aren't shot with 3D in mind. That is true. And, you know, I know we're going to say a word that makes Leland unhappy, but when Avatar came out, <laughs> the whole point of, like, that movie was for that technology. Like, the movie was made with that technology in mind. It, it It's relevant to, like, the plot even a little bit with the technology. It makes sense, I guess. You know, it's a James Cameron thing. But because that movie has had such great success, everyone jumped on that bandwagon. You could charge extra for the tickets. You could charge extra for the glasses. You could charge extra just to say it's in 3D. Maybe it even brought people to the theaters at one point. For me now, I would go out of my way to sit in a, you know, like an AVX that wasn't in 3D or a VIP. That would be my, I'll pay the extra money for that. But I'm not going to pay the extra money to sit in an extra dark theater to for some tacked on 3D effects that barely add to the mm-hmm. movie. Now, Leland, can you keep continuing with my Oh, he, he'll, he'll dig the hole deeper. I entirely agree with everything that you just said. I don't, I don't understand the appeal. Uh, for the longest time, I boycotted 3D. Like, when Avatar came out, 2009, I boycotted 3D because of that movie. Never seen Avatar. Never will see Avatar. Never, I will never bend. I will never break. I will never <laughs> see a single Avatar sequel. I, I often go out of my way to see movies in just regular D. <laughs> not <laughs> not stupid 3D. I, I, I don't understand it. It's the glasses make it too dark. You're paying, like you said, Marty, you're just paying extra for an experience that I'm not getting anything extra for. Uh, and I'm going to lump in IMAX and D-Box into this. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to lump it. I, those experiences add nothing to me for me. Like what, what was the last movie we saw in D-Box? It was it. Oh, that's right. Half an hour into the movie, I turned my D-Box off. What? You never yeah. told me that. It did nothing for me. It didn't add to that movie at all. It was completely unnecessary. Uh, that was not the movie for D-Box. I, you know what? I would actually agree with you yeah. in that case. But we also saw Alien Covenant in D-Box. We did. And I really like D-Box. Yeah. Uh, and it was almost tolerable in that movie for me. Like Again, it added nothing to me. It takes what, what me out of What does it even experience. do? Exactly. You move. Okay. So they got like some special guy who goes through the movie and maps out how the D-Box chairs are going to shift left or right or rumble mm, okay. according to the scenes that play out in the movie. So most often, the, the most common D-Box effect is as a camera pans, the chair is going to move with the pan. Right. That's like the baseline right. D-Box experience yes. that you're getting, basically. And then, you know, when when something... Suppose there's a jump scare or whatever. The, the chair may shake oh. as if you are jumping yourself. Yeah. It completely takes me out. Like we talked about with Dunkirk and the change from IMAX camera to regular right. scenes. It just pulls me out of it. I just get nothing from it. And, <laughs> and, the, and so the 3D is less so, less intrusive in that. It doesn't pull me out of the experience necessarily. I mean, it takes you a while to kind of settle into it, I guess. But I, it doesn't, it adds nothing for me. It darkens my vision. In the, I hate that. 
And it's fine in a movie like Transformers when it's all bright and they're all fighting in the middle of the day. But, you know, in, in movies, even like Star Wars, I think I saw it in 3D, like, it's in space. It's kind of dark in a lot of places. Yeah. It's it it's too dark for me. I don't like it. I don't get it. You know, I think of a film that wasn't that I didn't I didn't see it in three D. I didn't see it in D box, and it was probably the most exciting film I've seen in the last couple of years, which was Mad Max. And yeah. you know what? That didn't have any of that, and it was still a super enjoyable like action film. You know, I was on the edge of my seat. I probably drank way too much caffeine, but like I was <laughs> amped up watching this movie. Yeah, and. You know, it didn't need to shake my seat. It didn't need to pull me out of it. If anything, I got to enjoy the artistic elements of the filmmaking more because I wasn't being pulled out by a shaky seat, which is just gimmicky to me. I agree with you. I completely agree with that. I just uh, So why do you like D-Box so much, Moby? I have seen, I think, three movies total in D-Box. Um, I wish I could remember the first one, but it was a good experience. I thought Alien Covenant, it did it well with the ships moving in space. I thought, I thought your was first well time was Star Wars and your seat wasn't up all the way. Okay, yeah, it could have been, yes, yes, it could have been that. One of one of my, like, four times I viewed Star Wars Force Awakens. Yes, <laughs> so I would consider that as having an incomplete grade because my seat was on low. Yeah. But Alien Covenant, where I knew what I was doing and set my seat up high, I did really enjoy that. I felt it added. Hmm. One thing that I'm thinking here as I hear you guys, neither 3D nor D-Box brings me out of the film, and it is bringing you guys out of the film. Yeah. And and I literally think it's psychological or mental in that I'm able to detach or focus or whatever that it's not bringing me out. I could totally see, especially in the case of it, how that D-Box, which was... I would even call it average or below average. Like, it wasn't that great. I could see how that would rip another person out of the movie. Especially yeah. a horror movie. Well, I just I just love, like, I'm sitting in it and someone is driving a car across the scene, across the screen. The screen itself, the scene itself isn't moving. My box is following. My seat <laughs> is following the car. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. But, like, in Alien Covenant, when there are shots... Basically, from the POV of the spaceship out in space as it's traveling through space, that's kind of cool. You're right. I like that. But you got to really play for the movie, man. You got to pick the right movies for that stuff. No, that that's fair. That's fair. Um, in the case of 3D itself, I don't know. Like the the I do know it's a little bit darker, but I've never found myself straining to see the screen. But I have actually been diagnosed. Like it's nothing you take medication for. The, my eye doctor said since I was a little kid, you're light sensitive. You see more bright light than other people do. And so I'm always fighting the urge to squint. So I think the darkness doesn't affect me much because I'm naturally overwhelmed by light. Oh, that's weird. So, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. super dark, man. It <laughs> really dark. It really is? Okay, yeah. I don't really notice. And for you, like, if you it's put them on top of your glasses. I hate wearing them with my glasses. Yeah. I mean, I rarely wear my glasses and I go through sports of actually wearing them. Like, I'm not wearing them now. But I fucking hate wearing them over my glasses. Well, you gotta sound all hot to listener, but I'm not wearing my glasses. <laughs> you can be hot with glasses. Come on, Marty. Eh. <laughs> I don't know, man. It just it's never appealed to me. Um, I think um, okay, you're right. I guess I don't like Game of Thrones because it's so popular. I hated 3D because everyone was raving about it. <laughs> oh, go see Avatar in 3D. I was like, no, I will not. Fuck I will you. not do it. You really should go see Avatar in 3D. <laughs> no, I will not. 
I will never. I think he has a point. That was like the see. one movie to go out of your way to see. Yes, it was. That is how strong my boycott <laughs> is. Not very effective, obviously. No, 3D's didn't. everywhere. And, I did and, not. And you've seen many films in 3D. I well, that, yes, because they, like you said, they are the norm. And if you guys prefer seeing movie in 3D, that's fine. I'll go see it with you guys in 3D. I don't care. What was the last movie that I actually requested we didn't see in 3D that we went and saw? What was that movie? Oh, what was it? We all went, right? Yeah. Um, we had to go to like a different showing because it wasn't, or what? We couldn't get reserved seating because it wasn't in 3D. Yeah, I forget what it was. I guess yeah, it doesn't matter, but. That was like the one time I was like, I think I was because I was in a shitty mood. I was yeah. like, I don't want to see 3D. <laughs> let's, just might, see, let's see regular Fire. Might have it been Batman v Superman? No, because no. I didn't see that with you guys. You two was saw that together. Spider-Man maybe? Oh, it might have been Spider-Man. Yeah. Might have been. I know your brother was there. Yeah. Probably. He was because yeah. he, he showed up late like he always does. Yeah. <laughs> what movie was that? I don't know. Hey, guys, tell me about the rising action of this film. <laughs> what <laughs> happened? Know. I'm here for the climax. I don't know, man. I just like I feel. Ah, I hate being shoehorned into seeing a 3D movie, though. Is that's the thing? Like, if it's not offered, can I throw out something here? So, the Hobbit series was specifically filmed like Weta Peter Jackson's studio went out of the way to get stereoscopic, state of the art cameras, brand new, designed their own rig, did specifically painted the backgrounds and the sets to be brighter for 3D. Ah. So they're going out of their way to try to actually accommodate the issues with 3D right. and film it for 3D. Does that soften? I don't know. I'd have, have to see a movie that they put that effort into. Okay. I've never seen any of the Hobbit movies. I didn't see them in theaters. I haven't seen them still, so I couldn't tell you. What other I, I would tangent on Hobbit because when they switched to that, what was it, 60 frames per second or 40 oh, frames yeah, per second, that took me out of the movie. Yeah. It, was, it gave me a headache. That was probably the worst oh, wow. movie technology experience. I hate 40 FPS. Yes. Screw 3D. Fuck it. S- screw frames per second. <laughs> well, you know what, guys? I guess to sum it up for this understandably short segment i'd say that as theaters still uh like continue to battle like uh to get um ticket sales because theaters in general are making less money i think it may come to a point where they realize like the audience is not going to pay 18 bucks for every single movie just to see it for 3d surcharge you know i almost think you would get more people in seats if you charge less money that's that's what it comes down to And the option I would like is what you said in the beginning. I would love a non-3D reserved or adults only option. That I would be gold. Because as much as I don't mind 3D, like I don't go out of my way to see 3D except with certain films. Yeah. You know, classic. Well, that... That's that's VIP. That's a VIP cinema. That's what you just described. That's yeah. what the VIP does. Right, but isn't VIP almost always 3D as well? I'm I probably majority, but I have seen VIP in non-3D. Oh, okay. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... But I mean, I think even that's a fucking rip. I'm not paying 20 bucks to go no, sit, sit in a, but, a, you know, a slightly larger chair with with mo- far fewer people in the theater. Okay, but me. no stupid teenagers. And for me, that I'm willing to pay an extra five if bucks. I am gonna so pay, fucking if I am going to pay premium, yeah, that, to me, that's at least worth the premium. You're right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know v- uh, VIP is the only way my dad will go to a movie theater. Because he hates kids, right? Like, no, he just, yeah, he just hates all the all the people. He's kind of slightly claustrophobic and stuff. Yeah, he just, that's the only way he'll go see a movie. So, so it, there is that appeal to, to people, right? So, yeah. I think I just hate people. <laughs> That's right. You know, we go to far less movies. I think this is actually in one of our upcoming topics. Yes, I think we have yeah. that. But 
Yeah, we go to so few movies now. It's like you just go see the big ones. Yeah. Maybe we'll start seeing more, obviously, so we can talk about them with the yeah. podcast and stuff. Because me and you used to see like random like artsy films in theaters all the time. Yeah, that's true. We went like, to see like Black Swan together. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. Sounds Black like Swan's a great cool. date. Like we saw it was um, actually there was like six other people there. Oh, wow. and we we went and saw um, the American remake of uh, that one with the what's that one the vampire one. Oh yeah, um, the kid let vampire. the right ones in. Let the right one in. Yeah, yeah. we went and saw that. I remember seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, we used to see movies all the time. Black Swan was funny because there was maybe uh, six or seven other people in the theater, and like half of them left before the end. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> it was good. Weird. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, Black Swan was. A really good movie. Yeah, I, like I did it. actually really like it. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't there like some guy fapping to the, the sex, the lesbian what? sex scene? Or he was, well, you know, not legitimately. But like, I, wasn't there some guy who like commented or something or like said something in that scene? Like he seemed to be getting really excited. I feel scene. like, yeah, it, it seems familiar. <laughs> it seems like someone was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Something like that. I'm See, glad I didn't leave yet. <laughs> That was you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Are we done with this? Yeah, yeah. We're done with this segment. Um, we're on to hour four. Woo! So, Leland, take it away. All right. Here's the main event, ladies and germs. The crazy about cardboard segment. I believe it's titled Dungeons of Change. So, I think what we... Again, this was actually another... I think... What, did you come up with this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this was, was another Moby topic, actually, which is, I think, is a great one. It's the Moby episode. Oh, my goodness. It's the Moby. Moby. It Moby is. time <laughs> of the year. at it right now. It literally is. <laughs> so, basically, uh, we wanted to discuss the like the changes uh, that D&D has been... Dungeons & Dragons, for, you know, you laymen out there, have gone through. And, you know, why they've, they've gone through so many additions... In a relatively short amount of time, uh, so I I went and did a bit of research this this morning, and I have like a whole big timeline of like every edition when it was released and kind of what the changes I made. Do you want me to just run through it? Just go through. Yeah, all yeah, of them? I think it'd be interesting. All right. Okay, so in 1974, the or- original Dungeons and Dragons, which is what it's called now, like that's what it's often referred to, original Dungeons and Dragons, 1974. It was like a box set that came out, and it kind of piggybacked off of the the, uh, the rules for this minis war game called Chainmail. I have no idea what that game is or what it looks like. I didn't look into that, but because uh, it used like it, uh, Chainmail's measurements and combat systems and stuff, and then a bunch of supplements kind of released. Like one of the big ones was a, a Greyhawk supplement. It's like another you know another place in, in the universe or whatever. And it released um, its own kind of set of rules. So now, uh, with that release, it it, it didn't need the chainmail knowledge, right? Because like when it, that box that originally released, they released it assuming players of chainmail picked it up and know how to play chainmail already, kind of thing. So it's kind of weird. And then came uh, what's now known as Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. That was like. In 77 through 79, every year, I think they released a new book. And it actually started the the like the three hardcover books for all the rules, like the player, companion, the monster manual, and the DM okay. guide, the dungeon master's guide and stuff. So I think back then it was broken. Like they had like two versions. It was like advanced and basic Dungeons and Dragons. I don't I didn't really look into the basic stuff. I think it was just, you know, a simplified rule version of advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So I think that added 
some extra classes, uh, refined some rules, and they basically collected a bunch of stuff from the past supplements and from uh, like D&D articles and stuff. Cause like, you know, that was, this was pre-internet. So all of, I, there's this one, there's one magazine that was really popular back then. I forget what it's called, but it Playboy. just, yeah, Playboy. <laughs> that's right. It had all this, these like Dungeons and Dragons that articles and stuff. So it like pulled a bunch of stuff from all of this, you know, for better lack of a term lore and like available knowledge and kind of like consolidated it. And then, and so that was like 79. And then 10 years later, we have uh, Dungeons and Dragons second edition, 1989. Again, it added new rules and some new characters. This actually, it came, this release kind of coincided with a big regime change at uh, TSR, which was the production company. And this was like back, you know, in the uh, like, D&D players are devil worshippers oh, scare, right? Oh, right? So with that reform, they they pushed and they removed any references of like demons and devils and stuff. Oh, and they geared they geared this edition more towards um, like heroic players and right. like uh, like player like team play and stuff. And they kind of they shied away from this moral ambiguity for players that first edition had. Which now is like was so common in in a role playing game. Yeah, right? I mean nothing peeves me off more than like witch hunts when it comes to these things. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, and they also kind of lowered the demographic target to being predominantly teenagers. Mm. It's funny, like you when you know the like you said the the witch hunt stuff, like you know, oh this kid like his char- his character died and he committed suicide because he was so broken up. We're like. That's not just role-playing games that that shit happens. Like, nowadays, that kind of shit happens in video games and stuff, too, right? Like, yeah. like Eve. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. People go crazy for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you're right. The witch hunt stuff, crazy. So, that was 89 that came out. And then, uh, wow, 11 years later, third edition came out in year 2000. In the year 2000! Oh, I would have done the higher pitch. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have oh. built that up. Well, we could retake it. We did. I just knew you were going to say that, too. <laughs> Anyways, uh, third edition, like, expanded the combat system, kind of encouraged more tactical gameplay, and reinforced, like, using a grid and, of course, to buy miniatures to play for your D&D games kind of thing. It introduced um, more skills and the new uh, feat system. What year is this? Third this one? was 2000. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so actually surprisingly recent, right? Yeah, okay. I mean, you think of that. I mean, we haven't been playing... Dungeons Dragons for very long. No. But that wasn't that long ago. I mean, that was only 17 years yeah. ago. Pretty crazy. So, yeah, they introduced the feat system, and it kind of allowed you, comparatively to the second edition, to much further customize your own character and right. kind of make your character your, you. Uh, and then, of course, 2003, they revised a little tiny supplement, 3.5. So it was purposely a small change, right? Hence the 0.5. And they just, they, apparently they changed like hundreds of things, but small things. Mm. I think mostly it sounds like it was like a lot of balancing issues and they took some feedback from players who, you know, certain aspects of the game that they weren't happy with or were kind of like out of control, powerful or, or stuff like that. And they made a lot of stuff like they changed, you know, mechanic, mechanic stuff. So like, like equipment classifications and changing spell names and removing some spells, changing the school that those spells fall under, you know, for like different classes and stuff. And then, wow, only four years later came fourth edition. 
And again, that's it, what we started on. We started with 4E, yeah. so here we stepped in. I don't know what what year was that that we started. I think we played 2008. 2008. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So pretty recent after its release. Right. So that's cool. We were hey, we were up on the times back then. So it it further made combat like more tactical. Like you know, you guys know it added like like daily powers and like twice dailies and stuff. It's I hear a lot of people like say like when they compare 4E to other editions, like it. It was like you were, they tried to make it like you were playing like an MMO, mm. like your character, just giving you all these crazy options and stuff to, and, and abilities. Yeah, like powerful daily abilities. Yeah, which is exactly. Which for an MMO. Um, and they kind of replayed, they took some, some few things that were, some systems in 3, or 3.5 and just um, like replaced them, straight up replaced them, just named them differently. Like in fourth edition, you have like Paragon Pass when you get to higher levels. Right. And three and a half, it was, um, what did they call them? Oh, shit. I don't even write it down. But they had a similar system in 3.5 when you get to higher levels, right? And I think there was just a further gameplay. I mean. Yeah. It's funny, though, because. Okay. I'm going to continue with this. I'll get to that thought later. And then currently to bring us now is 2013. I think it was September 2013. Fifth edition was released, which is the one I'm most familiar with and what I've played the most in for sure. And the only edition I've ever uh, DM'd. But that just like, you know, it's like your classic streamline. I hate using that term too. But like like, like it streamlined, it condensed the rules from earlier editions. It kind of calls back to like second edition I've, I've seen a lot of online people say. Like it really just reminds them of these old school kind of, kind of editions and stuff. Yeah, it's 5e is really highly regarded. I think mm-hmm. tons, you look anywhere and it's like, people's favorite edition even like long-standing rpg players of dungeons and dragons so that is a like 40 year history of dungeons and dragons it's so, I- ironic that we can spend two hours talking about banter and we can condense 40 years of dungeons and dragons <laughs> into two minutes yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. I find it interesting because our first comment under this really was, why does D&D keep changing mechanics so often? And listening to you, you realize they don't, really. I mean, yeah. 40 years, five editions, I can accept that, honestly. I mean, now it seems like they're getting a little bit closer together over time. Yeah, that, that last like 20 years. Yeah, it was like, like a spurt of like Rather four. than 10 or 12 years, it's like maybe six or seven, four to totally, five, right? totally. But uh, I I did read a little bit that uh, the fourth edition maybe soured a few people, and that's why yeah. the fifth one came out so soon after. Yeah, and it streamlined it a bit more. Um, I, I'm definitely most familiar now with the fifth, and I like it. I think it it's too. more enjoyable to me to play than the fourth was. Yeah, uh, I think it's just easier to pick up and play. It will, yeah, you're, for sure. You're quicker into the role playing elements of it. Yeah, that's what I really like. Too. And the combat's doesn't feel as like sluggish. It also doesn't feel as hard. Yeah, I felt like the fourth that's... one was like some 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 of the enemy scaling was pretty tough. Yeah, well, in fifth edition, they even lowered like just like hit point thresholds. Everything's so much lower. Like mm-hmm. even even like player characters themselves even have far fewer hit points. But so do all the enemies. Yeah. Like in four e, some of the enemies got up to like hundreds of hit points. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I really like 5e, and this because I generally don't enjoy the combat mechanics as much as the actual role-playing stuff. So, like you said, 5e really lends to to empowering that in, in your gameplay, and uh, that's what I enjoy the most. So, there's no wonder I tend to like 5th edition much more than 4th. 
personally. But I don't, Moby, you, you really like fourth. Yeah, I really like fourth way more than fifth. And it's, it's in, it's ironic because the role playing element is my favorite part of D and D. Yeah. But I loved four's, uh, combat system. And I just, for me, I intuitively understood it. I got it that it was kind of MMO like with, you know, the at wills, but I just, I just got it. Yeah. I miss being able each session to do something truly epic, like, fuck it, I'm using my daily, you know, you bring it out when you're desperate, you roll six die plus ten, shock all enemies back five squares. I can see that. Stunned, and I felt the combat was too streamlined in five. I felt like I was bored every time we got into combat. Oh, session. Well, what changed other than me rolling... To see if I could swing my bat as like a barbarian. Yeah, or that's true. I think that's also the class you've played, I guess. But I get where you're coming from with the at will stuff. Like, yeah, your last hurrah when you're down and out, but you still have that chance to come back. Kind of if thing. they had hybridized it, like not necessarily, you you know, you have three levels of power, like in four. But if you had had two, two or even one level of power, but you would be able to collect them. And, you know, you'd have, like, say, the equivalent of, like, you know, four or five dailies that you could pull out each session. Yeah. I would have liked that a lot more. Yeah. And it's funny when you say you just got the combat system. I wonder, because you were our our dungeon master. Yeah. And I never DM'd 4th or E. Yeah. I wonder if you know it best because you are the DM. Like, is that where you think that's where that may come from? Like, it gives you a a kind of a leg up? I... I don't, you know what? Because I, I mean, know, as, the, as the DM, that. you kind of you see the mechanics behind the curtain. You are you are the man behind the curtain, right? Yeah. And I think within a system like Fourth Edition, with so many different layers, there are hidden mechanics that the player characters are not necessarily privy to. Like with Five E, it's pretty all out on the table. Like there isn't. I mean, you can I can look at a monster. I could look at a picture of a monster. And not know what it does. Not look at its stat block. But in 5th edition, you can be like, oh, okay. This monster's got tentacles or some type of viney appendages. Surely it's going to have a grapple. I could tell you exactly how that grapple. I could tell you. You give me the love of that character. I could give you a range of the DC to break the difficulty check to break out of that grapple. As a, right. right? You know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, whereas I, I think there's more, you know, confound, confund. There's more confunded <laughs> in 4E. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's. And where I get, like, into an intuitive understanding of 4E, there are a couple things. Um, When I was a DM, if you guys remember, like, as we progressed, about half or more of the monsters you fight were original creations that I made. That's true. And had pages for. And that's where I go, like, I understood at what level what were fair attacks and fair stats for monsters. Yeah, combats were always balanced. Now, when I played on the other side as, well, as a player... The Warlord is the single most amazing character class that I had ever played. I would play nothing else but a Warlord if it always existed in <laughs> yeah. each d So, uh, was the Warlord, Warlord fall under the control aspect of, in that 4th edition kind no, of thing? You know, he was in the 4th edition, he was officially a leader. That, okay. that was what he would fall under. And so, do you guys remember what, or do you know what a warlord does? No, I couldn't remember. Basically, a lot of his attacks will be like, he does an attack, and then an adjacent ally also gets an attack, or he can throw an attack as a power. Like, I could 
I could like give Marty the ability, even if he's across the room, like encouraging cry. And then Marty would get a free attack. Yeah. So it helps you swarm, zoom in and do extra damage. And you felt like a battlefield general. And that was just my natural character. It was really cool. And, and I miss that. And even, um, you know, Avengers who came in a later expansion, that's who I was, um, or planning to be in a session where they're basically like, Grim Reaper looking dudes with giant swords and they're like uh, sneaky kind of backstabber assassins. I think their type was assassin. That's like really cool shit that I didn't see in edition five. Well, you, that you didn't see in edition five core set. Well, have you seen the expansions? Like, uh, I'm just wondering if they've um, really expanded the character. They actually, they're, they're very uh, supportive of 5e. Actually, it's, okay. it's great. The role that they have is, is awesome. Uh, some of the new books and stuff is super cool. Like um, in the, uh, I recently picked up uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters or something. It's super cool. It's like written from the char- this character's point of view, and it introduces a bunch of new monsters, some new classes and, and uh, races. I think not classes, races. But like, there's this one like you can be, um, what are they called? It's like you're like a half angel. I forget what they call. Ooh, that's cool. But they're super cool. There's like three different types. Like you could be basically good, bad, or a neutral angel. And one of them is like, uh, I think the good one, or maybe that one, is you literally are like a walking sun bomb. You can just walk up to them and be like, boom, and explode in radiant damage all oh, around nice. you. Like it hurts you too, but you have resistance to radiant damage. Oh. So it's, oh, like there's lots of cool new stuff that they're coming out. And they keep coming out with stuff too, right? And they keep coming out with new adventure guides. I mean, I know we always like to play the the free, the sandbox stuff, the free form stuff that we make. Homebrew, sorry, is mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. We always played homebrew stuff, right? We never never played a from right. a, a booked adventure. But yeah, no, there's lots of cool stuff. And they really are supporting it, so which is which is great. Awesome. And there's um I think we've talked about the the D D Beyond thing, the, the app thing. It's yeah, like we did. A character, a yeah, it's like a character creation app. It's it's really coming along cool. Like it even it fully supports uh, homebrewing monsters, magical items, your own armor. It's oh. like even just in this in this app thing, it looks really cool. cool. And it's going to be excited excited when it's going to be fully finished. But I really like 5e. But let's get on to cover some of these <laughs> topics. Marty, you said that they're not changing. I think that's accurate. I think they're not changing. I think they just keep refining. Mm. And then I think when they hit 4e, as far as, you know, critical success it went too far one way yeah and then they try to pull it back with 5e and they have found with the majority of players they found the sweet spot i think i think for most people they found the right balance i think so too yeah 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 um you know for me that's the one i've had the most fun with but i've had some really good memories with fourth edition yeah we had some your campaign was a really great movie it was i appreciate that i really enjoyed it because there was a certain player that did not appreciate it at all (laughs) <laughs> have fun with it at all. <laughs> oh, he was just a he was a poor sport. You know, he should have stood up for his character's beliefs then if he didn't want to be part of our evil party. That's right. He more he was like half and half, if not more, offended with how you guys played than with what I was yeah, doing. Yeah, that's right. Like I think I got better at the role playing aspect by the time we got to fifth edition. So for for me that was more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. But the story Moby was telling was pretty awesome and the set it and like the different things that happened I mean for me one of my favorite memories was just the first session 
Mm, we were, yeah. all, we were all trapped in a box. Oh yeah, that was awesome. And we didn't realize trapped in a fucking coffin. We didn't know there was a coffin at first. And like everyone's breaking out, and I'm like, well, of course I'll break out. <laughs> so I go, and my first action as this D and D character is to punch the coffin and punch my way out. Nothing happens. <laughs> Were you like a halfling? Or yes, something? I was. Yeah, you're like this little halfling trying to punch his way out of this wooden yeah. box. I can't remember what happened. I think it lit on fire. Yeah, yeah. I, really? I, I was, I, I love the Dragonborn race. I like always play Dragonborns, and I think I lit everything on fire to get out of my box. <laughs> I breathed yeah. fire to get but out. You, and you burnt it away, but you were in a tomb. And smoke was <laughs> right, filling the ceiling. Right. Yeah. Didn't know what we were in. Uh, I thought, I legitimately thought you guys were going to die in the first 15 minutes. Because <laughs> I know we like, I remember we tried to run out and we ran into some skeletons, right? Didn't That's we? right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Good times. You know, and Good then time. also, uh, why are you here? Oh, Salvador. Oh, yeah, so I want to explain a little bit. So, I mean, this is part of the fun of free-flowing and being a DM. So early on, they um, they met a character. I'm trying to forget. He was a zombie brute or something like yeah, that. Yeah. He was a high-class, a high-level variant of under the zombie. He was a high-level variant of a zombie. I think he was a zombie brute. His name was Zelbador. And all he would say is, why are you here? He was he, guarding. He was guarding, like, an area. And I was trying to sneak in. Yes. And I couldn't get past it. Oh, it was that. on a boat. Yeah, it, it was, was down in the hold of the boat yeah. of the ship. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and then uh, eventually, I don't know, he survived. I wish I could remember everything because it's really funny. So he started popping up because he was such a popular NPC. He was, yeah. And had we gone to our, like, later stage of the game, he was going to become this, like, astral-level god in this religious <laughs> cult figure. <laughs> awesome. It was the cult of Zelbador. Yeah, we did run into some uh, So my, my favorite story, because sharing stories is part of this. Yeah. Um was as DM of 4th edition. So in my campaign, the guys had to find um, different dragons. So there was a black dragon, a red dragon. There was going to be a, uh, there was a Draco Lich um, who was good. Oh, man. I wish we got into the Draco I know. I, well, I thought you guys did in like one of the last so. sections. I think we only got two. Wasn't he a lightning I think dragon, we only got Draco Lich? Two. Oh, maybe. Okay. We only got two dragon scales of like five, I think, that we needed. Oh, you know what it was? It was, there was a lightning dragon, but the Draco Lich... He gave you the whole quest in the beginning. Oh, okay. If you remember. Ah. But anyway, so for this red dragon, I thought it was going to be a battle. He was this really big, arrogant dragon. And he had like a, a group of like these little, little creatures that were pretty. Um, Didn't they worship him? Yeah, they the worshipped him, at, you know, at the bottom of his volcano or his mountain. And what Leland did is had his character gather up all the village, the women, the children. Well, okay, hold on, backstory. So okay. this was all in the name of the greater good. So we had to fight. We had to convince these dragons to give us a tail scale so we could open up a portal to go fight the Tarask, who That's was right. threatening the entire world. Okay, this is greater good stuff right now. Zelda Breath of the Wild copied me, by the way. Marty <laughs> knows you have to get scales from dragons. And the red dragon did not like. The stupid village, because he thought they were little peons. They were beneath him. So he wanted us to deal with them. Please continue, Mo. Okay. So anyways, Leland's idea with dealing with them was to gather, as I mentioned, the women and children, as well as the men of the village. And he was very sweet in talking to the children. He role-played in a voice. Since I, And since I was a dragonborn, they had a fondness of me, because I was, I'm, you know, ha- like a dragon, half a dragon. They did. And I think he convinced them to assemble a perimeter of uh, tar-soaked lumber. We and were, yeah, we were making a, like an <laughs> altar or something. An, an altar for the red dragon. And uh, Leland... Ended up fire-breathing it and burning them alive. Yep. 
And the red dragon was absolutely overjoyed, called them the most deplorable, <laughs> disgusting creatures he had met, and happily handed over his scale. Yeah, that was beauty. That was the best <laughs> I RPG think that's what our teammate had. left. I no. He, I don't, he didn't like that, though. No. No, he didn't like that. Should have stopped me. Yeah. He should have said something. Because yeah. I was, like, I don't even know what that character's name was, but he was chaotic evil. He was. Yeah. Well, in there, you know, moral ambiguity in D&D is fun. And I would have hated that early 90s edition that, like, forcibly takes it out. Yeah, that's crazy. So. That's yeah. important. It's an important part of the party is that not everyone agrees all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, you know what? What I will say is when Leland was DM of our last session and uh, myself and Marty were basically like cops, for lack of a better term. I played a pretty rough character. He was based on the comedian off of Watchmen. Yep. And he would beat the shit out of people, punch people, which is like his opening act in the entire thing was he punched a protester in the yep. nose. And it, <laughs> that, that so great. that campaign is the basis of um, my writings that I have. Yes. Cataclysm series. So if you listener, if you have read that, uh, Brick Declared is loosely based off of uh, Moby's uh, player character. and um, That's right. Scorp- Scorplar is the Duragar. He was Marty's character. Drew. And, Drew was uh, his name. We had another uh, one of our listener, listener, uh, listener Riley. His character was, is the, the monk, Lalsim, in the story. And then there was another <laughs> anti-listener, I think, is what Moby named him last episode. <laughs> he was uh, a dwarf cleric, and that's... Uh, I turned I turned uh, his dwarf cleric into a chick. That's that's Talia. That's a good change. Talia Fensmith. Yeah. So you know if you it's want to check out that writing, twenty seventeen baby. <laughs> <laughs> so and, you know a little background knowledge. That is what Cataclysm is uh, based on. Wow. Yeah. Two hour build up to throw in that little. Uh, Woo! Leland Steel Fiction WordPress dot com. Yeah. <laughs> Leland, do you have a favorite memory, or did you? Um. Well. Blake Blake. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny, though. So, Blake Lakely, you know, I was thinking when we when I was Blake Lakely in that fiasco bonus, Blake Lakely did not originate from D&D. He originated from a game of fiasco. Oh, yeah. That's really? a break in the fifth wall. So, he, actually, yeah, we, we played like a Friday the 13th version of fiasco one Halloween. He was one of the campers, Blake Lakely. But I liked him so much, I put him into... D&D, and then he just became a staple in every mm. D&D game I run. There's always a character named Blake Blankley around. That's, a, that's an awesome. I like him, but one of my one of my favorite memories is uh, just the very first game that we played of 5e uh, where I DM'd, and I took you guys to Jurassic Park, basically. Oh, yeah. That, I just, that was just a really that fun session. Fun. That was. And, uh, like, we had one of our players, he, the, the T-Rex was coming as they were on their tour, and, uh, Goldblum. I made Goldblum a, 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 an NPC. He was there and he was holding, he was like hold monster on this T-Rex to, to help the, the players get away. And then one of the players took a, a javelin and whipped it at the T-Rex, but critically failed. And it hit Goldblum, pierced him in the cap, and he lost the hold on the T-Rex. And, and the whole party had to just run out, get on the wagon and spur the horse to get the hell out of there. And the, Oh, man. That was great. That was fun. That was fun. I just... Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. How could I say it? My favorite thing ever was when we played the 12 hours of Drunken D&D. Oh, yeah. When we went away to the island. Man, that was fun. That was fun. That was so fucking fun. That was my stag. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, hey. Your stig was epic. That was day one. Oh yeah, that might have been just, one of the best parts. Oh, but. That was so fucking fun. It was. Really and that was fun. again in the in the cataclysm campaign, but man, I think I had like two hours worth of preparation, and the last ten we were just spitballing. Fuck, that was fun. And, and listener, the craziest part about that is that uh, myself and very surprisingly anti listener actually agreed <laughs> on a course to take, but the rest of the party was dead set against it, would not do it. And it came to the point that uh, Leland had to separate the, yeah, he had this, to split, split off. the party, that's right. But in this case, splitting off meant me and anti-listener went out on the deck and had to sit there for like six hours because we couldn't hear what was going on. We <laughs> had mean, to be ignorant. Exaggeration. 45 minutes. I don't, no, no, I, I think it was how, maybe a two, two or three hours. I don't think it was that long. No. I really sure? don't. But I don't know. It might have just felt like a long It's time. hard to tell. Well, it was playing chess with him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, basically, your characters went out there to interrogate the shit out of a dude. That's right. While the other two, Marty and Listener Riley, their characters were mopping up some cultist dudes in this cave or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, fun. That was so oh, fun. Oh, I had the floating sword. Yeah, you had, you did, you yeah, had, uh, and I, I did, made, made, was making a helicopter. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had like the guy lowering. That's it. right. And that was like such a good drunk too. Like we weren't tired, we weren't sick. No, that's once. right. We were like, even though we were drinking super, all day. Yeah, that was the perfect drunk. That was yes. your classic all day drunk, man. That is the best drunk. A twelve hour drunk. Yes. You're slowly drinking over twelve hours. The T Head Podcast recommends you drink for twelve hours at a time. <laughs> To get the optimal effects. <laughs> oh man, that was so fun. And when and when listener Riley, you guys met the Lamia, and she made you eat the eggs. Yeah, yeah. And, and listener Riley's character fucked the Lamia, which a Lamia, for the listener if you don't know, is like this half lion, half woman with the bottom torso of a lion and the and very attractive upper half of a woman. She really wanted to have sex with that thing. Yeah. It was disturbing. She was like sitting in this pool of water, so when you walked in and you found her, you didn't realize what she was right away. But, oh, man. Oh, did you know that listener Riley has the collector's edition of Tentacle Bento? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, maybe that's a surprise or not a surprise after what I just said. Oh, man. So good. Just good times, man. Like, how could anybody not want to play a role-playing game? It's just so fun. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because it, they create these fun memories. Like they really this. do. And really, we were bitching about the, or I was bitching about combat to start this, but the best memories I have are of the role playing, mm-hmm. just having fun. I agree. You know? I find, uh, with, for me, with D&D, it feels like a lot to get invested into a big campaign. It's, it, it can be a big time commitment sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. It's, oh, yeah, it is. To get yeah. everyone together, you're going to want to play for four to six hours. At least, you know, it's not fun. It's not really good to play for two hours. You know, you need to put some time in to get going. Yeah. And it can be a big time investment, but when it's going, it's going. It really pays off. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite aspect of it is is, uh, DMing, though. I love being the Dungeon Master. I just love crafting the world and stuff and making a story to run you guys through and stuff. Yeah. It's so fun. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll somehow someday be able to... Rip through it again. I'm sure we will. It sounds like we have nothing to really complain about with D&D. Yeah. No. You know what? I I do hope I mentioned earlier about a a hybrid combat system where they introduce some sort of epic powers or free throw back. So maybe they do a 5.5 or something like that. And that's what I'd hope for them to add. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I seriously doubt that will happen. (laughs) Everyone's very happy with 5e. Everyone but Moby. But yeah, I don't know. To each their own. 
to each their own. Pretty long episode. <laughs> there was a lot of tangents. Oh man. Yeah, the cutout. I'm gonna, everything. I'm gonna have to cut out all that Game of Thrones stuff because people are gonna chastise me. Yeah, especially you, some of the very negative things you said about the angel Maisie Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> no, okay, you're. She is. She is very talented. A lot of that Game of Thrones cast are all very talented. They work very. I mean, yeah, they. She's gone through this, you know, pretty crazy character arc. And you really do see the changes watching over the, all the seasons. Like Preach it, sister. She's very talented. <laughs> uh, just, I don't know why I don't like that show. I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know why I don't love that show. You're tactically implying you like it. <laughs> Without saying it. <laughs> <laughs> see how that works? I don't know why I don't love 3D. You know what? I always <laughs> see this with you, Leland. Just give it time in your rating. Oh, wait a second. No, it's the other way around. <laughs> give it time and your rating goes down. Oh, that's not true. I upped my rating for uh, Spider-Man, did I not? Actually, yeah. Yep. yep. That's yeah. one. You know what? I think about I want to get Spider-Man on nine and a half. No, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this All shit right. up. All okay. Right. Uh, you know, like us, like our Facebook page. Tell us how wrong I am about uh, Game of Thrones. Give us some reviews on iTunes, on SoundCloud. We want to hear from you guys. No. Oh, that's not the outro music? Nope, so that's not going to be the outro music. That's not what... Oh. Nope. <laughs> okay. Anyways, look for our show notes. I don't know what's going to be in the show notes this episode. Maybe a link to D&D Beyond or whatever that app thing is. I don't know. Some some Game of Thrones fan fiction that's probably better than R. Martin's crap. Well, I was thinking we could have some uh, podcast DLC. So, like, some microtransactions <laughs> with the podcast. Yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, you pay a little bit, we write something to you, you know? Yeah. Like, like pay it. for content. Pay, yeah, pay to play, yeah. baby, pay to play. Yeah, you want to hear your name in the podcast? Hey. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, listener Riley, you owe us <laughs> some royalties. <laughs> Anyways, our, our website is ttpopcast.wordpress.com. And I've been Leland Steele. I'm Marty. And I'm Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye.